Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Kevin, come on up here for a second. Don't run away, don't run away. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Kevin Woosley. Kevin is a professor at the University of Alabama Music School, and uh, he is here visiting his in-laws, the Yonces. He is Julie Yonces' uh, husband, and Kevin uh, can't play for us very often because he plays at his home church and always goes home when he visits, So, uh, but we're glad that you're here today. Merry Christmas, and give me a big hug here. We're glad that you're with us. Now you're all wishing you had a professional preaching, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not licensed to drive this, so it might take a second. Well, at this time, I would like the Sunberg family and all of its additions to come on up here on the stage. <clears throat> that means children and wives and husbands. And This is a bittersweet moment for our church. It's uh, very exciting and also kind of sad for us. Uh, the, the, the stage is up here, guys. Um, it's just little things. It's, it's a long Christmas break. Uh, Matt Sunberg has just become the new minister of youth at DeHaven Baptist Church in LaGrange, Kentucky. And this is going to be his last Sunday, he and his family with us. And DeHaven, a really great church in LaGrange. Uh, uh, growing up in Oldham County, you know so much about him. We're very excited for uh, Matt and Robin and the entire family. Uh, they've been with us for about a decade, I guess, or more. Uh, how long is it? How long? Twelve years. That's about a decade. By If Larry was counting, that'd be perfect numbers, right? right now, but uh, uh, they've done everything that you could in our youth ministry and with our college ministry and uh, really have touched a whole lot of lives. And we're excited to see what God is going to do in their life uh, in the next uh, few years as they serve in LaGrange. And uh, we're just very, very excited for them. And I want to have a special prayer for uh, Matt and his family at this time. So let's, let's have a special prayer. Dear Lord, you've blessed us uh, with the Sunberg family. They have made our family here at Westport Road stronger. And as they go out now, we're excited for them. We're excited for the call that you put upon their life uh, in LaGrange. And just pray, Lord, now that, that you would give them opportunity and, and, and uh, dire, uh, direction and wisdom. Father, we look forward to hearing all the wonderful things that they're going to do. Uh, uh, we know they blessed us, and we just pray now that they would be a blessing uh, to that church there in LaGrange. And we send them out with our love and with our hopes. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. God bless you guys. Look, if Kevin got a hug, all you ladies have to get hugs. That's for sure. All right. Hey, turn to Isaiah chapter nine, Isaiah chapter nine. We're finishing up a sermon series that we started back after Thanksgiving uh, on Isaiah chapter nine. We're going to put the whole thing together now. We've looked at little segments of it for the last five weeks, and now we're going to put the whole thing together uh, and, re- and see what it says from beginning uh, to end. So turn over to Isaiah chapter nine. Has anybody noticed that whenever a celebrity, some uh, famous person has a kid, they always name it something weird? Have you ever noticed that? Uh, you know, and here's some weird celebrity names that, that I found out there. Nick Cage named his uh, uh, son Cal-El. Cal-El. Anybody know where that comes from? That's Superman's real name. And he is so into comic books uh, that he named his child after Superman. Uh, Sylvester Stallone named his kid Sage Manblood. 
And uh, so, you know, hey, man, blood, come on over here for a second. You know, that's always good. Frank Zappa, uh, you know, he's got reasons for naming his kids weird things. Uh, but he named his kids Moon Unit and Diva Thin Muffin. Uh, those are the names, you know. So these kids are going to get him back one day when he's in the nursing home or something like that. If he, if he makes it that far. And Penn Jillette from Penn and Teller, Penn Jillette named his daughter Moxie Crime Fighter Number 1. And uh, so that was that was her name. So you see these kids, they have all these really strange names, these strange titles that have been given to them. We're going to look into our scripture. We're going to look at some of the titles that were given to uh, this child that was going to be born. As we do, our scripture starts off Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. And the first thing we see is this. In the gloom and doom of the current age, there is hope. It starts out in a very tough time in Israel. Uh, Israel is not strong any longer. There have been a lot of raiding parties uh, up on the Galilee border. And we're told in verse 1, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. That area of Galilee that it's talking about had constant raids. Whenever anybody came into Israel, that was the path that they took. And so they were taking the brunt of the invasions that hit over and over again in Israel. There was a lot of gloom, a lot of doom. People weren't really excited if you're living in that area. You never knew when the next shoe was going to drop, when somebody else was going to invade. And so in this time of gloom and doom, he tells them there is no longer going to be any distress. In verse 2, he says that instead of darkness, there's going to be light. People walking in darkness will see a great great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light will come. So he says there's not going to be any more gloom and doom. There's going to be light instead of the darkness they're currently living in. And in verse 3, he tells them there's going to be joy. You will enlarge the nation and increase their joy. They will rejoice before you. So we're told that for these people who are suffering and having a tough time, there's going to be joy and light and no more gloom. All of these good things are going to happen. There is finally hope that they have. But where does the hope come from? And that takes us down to verse 6. Down to verse 6. In verse 6 he says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Now, the words that are used here, that word us is an all-inclusive word. It's summarizing everybody, every person. For unto you, there's going to be a child born. And the reason that this child's born is to give you hope, is to give you joy, is to give you light in the darkness that you're living in right now in your current doom and gloom that we seem to have all around us. And so we look out today and we could ask ourselves the questions, What's holding us down? What's the doom and gloom that you're living in right now? And it's probably different for every person. It might be relationship problems. Maybe you're having trouble uh, with your spouse. You're having uh, issues with your children. And, and who doesn't have that? You know, uh, uh, you, you might be looking around and saying, well, you know, uh, uh, friends, I've had some strained relationships there. Uh, so it might be relationship problems that's causing doom and gloom in your life. Maybe it's health problems. Uh, you look at your health or the health of a loved one. Uh, it's going downhill. It's not what it used to be. You worry about what might be ahead. Maybe it's just problems going on outside of you, but affect you. It might be things with the weather, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, a leaky roof, uh, whatever. It might be financial problems, uh, that have hit you and you're wondering how you're going to pay the bills, uh, as those things stack up around you. And it may be problems going on in the world. 
things like terrorism. You know, last night, anybody see the mall St. Matthews? You know, like 2,000 teenagers wilding there in the mall in St. Matthews. That wasn't any of you all, was it? Okay. No. Okay. Good. Thank you, Jeff. You keep them in line there. Uh, all right. And uh, but you know, you see those kind of things. And you wonder, is it even safe to go outside? And so that doom and gloom that's there, we're told that this child is going to be born for us, and he's going to give us hope in the midst of our problems and in the midst of our troubles. I was reading an article last night about the children's home of Amarillo, Texas. And the children's home of Amarillo, Texas, uh, the, the reason it exists is to take care of abused children. Children that have been taken away from their parents, uh, children uh, who have gone through some severe form of, of physical or sexual abuse, abandonment, and they take the worst of the worst, kind of like Mary Hurst. And so you look at the children's home of Amarillo and what you would think is if there's ever an example of doom and gloom in our world, you see it right there. These poor kids that have gone through the worst things you could ever imagine and they're trying to help them in a a world that's gone crazy. And yet on Christmas Day, they got a call to the children's home in Amarillo and they said, "Uh, there's something weird with your uh, uh, baby Jesus and your nativity scene outside. You might want to go check it. And so they sent one of the workers out to the nativity scene out in front of the children's home and they found a check for $50,000 that was there. So in the midst of the doom, in the midst of the gloom of that age, there was a ray of hope, a light that shined that's going to make a great difference in that children's home. And what we're being told is that's what Jesus does for us. This scripture was written 500, almost 600 years before Jesus was even born. And yet it told us the hope that we have is going to come through the birth of a son that will be given for us that will make all the difference in the world. So in the doom and gloom of our current age, there is hope. Now for the rest of verse 6, what Isaiah does is he goes and he gives titles uh, to this child. And each of the titles has an adjective and a noun uh, that, that follow it. And he gives him four different titles. And titles are really important. Uh, but for us today, most titles come and go. Uh, anybody here see the Miss Universe pageant? Yeah, you know, you know that, that was a title that didn't last very long. Uh, Columbia won the title for, I think they said, two and a half minutes. And uh, then it got taken away and given to Miss Philippines. By the way, Miss Columbia was much better looking. But that, that had nothing, nothing to do with it. Uh, she looked a little bit like Sofia Vergara, I thought. But that's a different story. And we'll just go on. So she had the title taken away for her. If you're president, you're president of the United States for four years or eight years. You know, and then it's taken away from you. I heard Troy Aikman say one time, I worked my entire life. To win a Super Bowl. And when I won it, the first question was, do you think you can win it again next year? And so titles come and go. But what we're told in our scripture passage is that these titles that are going to be given to this child, these titles are everlasting. They're never going to end. And he emphasizes that in our scripture, that they will go on for all eternity. What were the four titles that were given to this child that's going to bring us hope? First of all, we're told that he's going to be our wonderful counselor. He's going to be our wonderful counselor. Now, uh, if the son is going to be our wonderful counselor, you think of a counselor as somebody that listens to your problems, uh, points you in the right direction, gives you good advice. 
Is that something we need in life? And the answer is absolutely yes. There's all times in life we need someone to point us in the right direction, to help us get our problems in focus, and, and, and to know that there's someone that we can get wisdom from, guidance. And we're told one of the things this child's going to do to dispel the doom and gloom is he's going to be your wonderful counselor. He's going to help give you the right direction, information, show you what's right and wrong, point you the way that you were supposed to be going. So in our doom and gloom, we know we have a wonderful counselor to help us. The second thing we're told is he's not going to just give you wisdom and show you the right way to go. He's going to be a mighty God. He's going to be a mighty God. So he's not just a wise person. He has the power to back it up. I can not only tell you the way to go, I can help you with the way because I'm in charge. I'm a mighty God. So this son that's going to be born, we're told, is not just a wise person that's going to come along. He's not just some sage or prophet, but he's going to be God himself, a mighty God that's going to come and has the power to help us and not just direct us. And how important that is. I'm not just showing you good advice. I'm going to be there to help you fulfill what I'm telling you at this time. A third title that was given to this child is that he's going to be our everlasting father, our everlasting father. So not only is he a wise counselor, not only does he have the power to fulfill what he's telling us to do, but he cares about us and wants to help us do it. It's one thing to have the power and the wisdom. It's another thing to have the will to do it. He has the will to help you because he is your everlasting father. He wants to help you. He wants to care for you. And then finally, we're told that he's the prince of peace because he has the wisdom to direct you, because he has the power to accomplish it, and because he has the will to do it, it should give you peace even in the midst of your problems and troubles. And that's a key to what's being talked about here. This is not the perfect world that's being talked about here. This is peace in the midst of our problems and troubles. And so we have things hit us, we have things come upon us, but he's there to give us peace in the midst of all of the chaos. Uh, my mom's aunt, my great uh, aunt, Aunt Ava, uh, when, when my Aunt Ava, and she was a very special young lady, when she got sick and she was in the hospital and nursing home at the very end of her life, uh, we would go up to visit her. And the nurses and the orderlies would come into the room and they would say things like, oh, she's helped us so much. So here's this lady getting sick, not far from dying. And everybody that's coming in, she's finding out about their problems, finding out what's going on in their life, praying for them, encouraging them. And when she passed away, uh, all of the nurses and orderlies came to her funeral that day because of the difference she had made in her life as she was facing the end of hers. Now, how can you do that? Because there is a peace that comes even in the face of death when you have God in your life and God pointing you that there is a heaven to come, that you're secure, that he loves you and that you need to care about other people. And so that's exactly what she was doing. But it's a peace that comes in the midst of doom and gloom. Well, Isaiah 9 goes on and he says that even in the midst of this, there is a greater kingdom that's to come that's going to never end. So look down to verse 6 again of Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And then it talks about the eternal kingdom he's going to bring, which we might call heaven. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So one day, even though today things are temporary, even though today it's peace in the midst of problems, one day his kingdom is going to bring everlasting peace. And so we look forward to a time when the problems and troubles of this world are completely over. And there is true peace. We talked about it on Christmas Eve. That word shalom, total wholeness in mind, body, and soul. That's not something we have now. Uh, it's something we fight, uh, we fight with. Uh, we try to get our minds straight. We try to work on our body. Everything seems to be temporary. We're told one day his kingdom is going to bring true everlasting peace. Just two chapters over in Isaiah 11. This is how he describes it. Isaiah 11, 6. The wolf will live with the lamb. A leopard will lie down with a goat. A calf and a lion and a yearling will be together. A little child will lead them. A cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. A lion will eat straw like the ox. An infant will play near the hole of a cobra. And the young child will put his hand into a viper's nest. But no one will ever harm or destroy again in all of my holy mountain. So this is a time of true peace that's going to come. Right now, we don't live in a world like that. We can have moments of peace. We can have God giving us security and strength and trouble. But one day there's going to come a time of full peace. And our scripture tells us that when that time comes, one of the things that's going to happen is that you are going to be comforted for all the times you've heard in your life. In Psalm 56, verse 8, we're told that God has taken down every tear you've ever cried. He's put it in his bottle. He's written it in his book. And he will comfort you for it. So that's the kind of peace we're talking about here. For every tear you've cried, there's going to be comfort. There's going to be encouragement. There's going to be a time when you find true peace with God. So there'll be an eternal peace that's going to come. A second thing we're told is that there's going to be eternal justice. Eternal justice. Keep reading uh, in our scripture passage. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. So we're told that there's going to be true justice. Now, justice means to judge or to decide something fairly and honestly. Now, we look at the world out there today and we know that a lot of times things aren't judged Fairly or honestly, they're judged uh, by by uh, how much money you have or what kind of influence you have, uh, who, you know, uh, things are often not judged in a fair, honest way. Uh, anybody ever here watched a basketball game or something and the announcers say, well, that was just a makeup call or something like that. You know, it's not being judged fairly or honestly. They're just trying to make up for another bad call they've made or something like that. But there's going to come a day. When there will be true justice and God will judge fairly and honestly. We're also told that his kingdom is going to bring true righteousness. Righteousness. That the things that, do, that are done will be done right and good and we can depend upon that. So this eternal kingdom that's going to be coming where God will bring peace, justice, and righteousness. Now if all that's true... How do we live in a day and age when we haven't gotten any of those things? How do we live in a day where there is gloom, there are problems, there are troubles, and they hit you on every side? 
Maybe right now, some of you only have one or two major problems in your life and, and you think everything's hunky-dory. Problems hit you all the time, though, and they'll come upon you. And some of you feel overwhelmed right now with the problems that are hitting you. So we have this promise of great things to come. How do we live today when that's not the world we live in? Let me make three very quick observations. Number one, see the hope that is there. See the hope that is there. Even though we might not be living in the world we want to live in, even though in our minds intrinsically we know this isn't the way it should be and we yearn for something else, that yearning's never going to be fulfilled to heaven. But in this world, see the hope that's there. Be people that live with hope. You know, one of the things Paul tells us in Thessalonians about grieving for loved ones is that we don't grieve like people who have no hope. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. Christians grieve just as much as anyone else grieves, but we grieve with a hope of eternal life and reunion that's to come. So see the hope that's there. Second, look to God. One of the things we've been told throughout Isaiah chapter 9 is this child's going to come and he's going to be there with you right now as your counselor, your mighty God, your everlasting father, your prince of peace. Look to him now for God to work and be active in your troubles and your problems right now. Look to God. And then what I would say, the one we leave out more than any others, because we're pretty good at, okay, I see the hope and I, and I want God to help me. But what we leave out is, okay, if that's what God's kingdom is going to be like in the future, that perfect place, help to bring God's kingdom into your world right now. What are the things you are doing that are helping other people see the kingdom of God? When people are hurting, what are you doing to help them? When people are hungry, what are you doing to feed them? When people are having moments where they're anxious and tired and overwhelmed, what are you doing to make a difference in their life? You see, we're told that one day there's going to be coming a kingdom. But Jesus, it was interesting in his ministry, whenever Jesus was healing someone, whenever Jesus was feeding someone, whenever Jesus was making a difference in somebody's life, you know what he almost always said? He would look at them after the miracle or after he'd done something for them and he'd say, today the kingdom of God's come. That, that perfect heaven we're talking about, whenever you help someone, whenever you encourage someone, whenever you strengthen someone, you've brought a bit of heaven down to earth because this is a world of doom and gloom. And we were supposed to be people that bring God's kingdom to earth. When people are fighting and arguing, you be the one that brings peace. And when peace comes in that situation, you know what? You brought heaven down to earth. When someone is hurting and you encourage and strengthen them, you brought heaven down to earth. So bring God's kingdom one step at a time. We can't change the world. But you can change the people in your world with love and care. And if every Christian saw that as a priority, I'm going to do what I can to make a difference in the world in which I live and the people in my relationships. You would bring God's kingdom and what a light it would shine in the darkness of the world. And that's what we need so desperately. Isaiah chapter 9 gives us great hope of a great future, but it also encourages us to live today to bring in God's kingdom. Probably a lot of anybody here know DeMarcus Cousins used to play for the University of Kentucky. Now I play for the Sacramento Kings. Cousins is known as a very cerebral, nice person who never loses his temper. You know, 
Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. He's known as a very volatile person who's always getting into trouble and always having some issues there. I don't know if you knew it or not. DeMarcus Cousins grew up in a very poor situation, a lot of poverty uh, in in, uh, the world in which he grew up with. And uh, he has been trying to adjust ever since then. And he does something every Christmas. He calls himself Santa Cuz. And uh, what he does is that he will take an entire, uh, like he'll, he'll take one organization, take every kid in that organization, buy them $200 worth of Christmas toys. This year he, he did a uh, uh, hundred kids uh, from one of the, the, unit, the social service units, went out, uh, bought a hundred kids, $200 worth of toys with the kids as he was there. But he does things throughout the year. This year he's paid for the funeral of a, of a young sports star who was killed in a gang-related uh, shooting that he had absolutely nothing to do with. He bought uh, a handicap accessible van uh, to a teenage boy uh, who had been uh, uh, made paralyzed uh, in an auto wreck. And uh, he bought $75,000 worth of Sacramento Kings tickets and gives away over 100 tickets a game uh, to different kids out in the community. And when he asked why he did it, he says this, I remember coming to school year after year, the day after Christmas, and people saying, DeMarcus, what did you get for Christmas? And I never got a thing because my family didn't have anything. And so I would lie and I would tell them things I wished I had gotten. And then I would go in the bathroom stall and I would cry. And he said, so I look out there now when I've been blessed at kids I can help. And what kind of man would I be if I wasn't helping them? What you need to understand is if you are a Christian, God has changed your life. And you have eternity with all of that peace and joy ahead of you. And you have strength and comfort now. If God's given you all of that, what kind of person would you be if you didn't want to share that love and hope and joy with others who know so little of it? And that's our job to bring in the kingdom. Merry Christmas. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you've done these wonderful things for us and we've seen it in our lives. Father, help us to want to give that kind of love and care to others. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.